It's the one, two, three shirts. One thirty, exactly one thirty. And um, if you are an avid listener of the one, two, three show, then you may recall that I focus in on movers and shakers in Hong Kong who are making a difference to people's lives. Marion Hughes, founder and CEO of No Global, was on the show a couple of years ago, telling me about her startup. And today she's back, and she's recently gained first place in She Loves Tech Hong Kong, one of the largest startup competitions for women. I won't say any more because I'm sure she can give you her personal update. Good afternoon to you, Marion. Mm, hi, Sadia. Good to be back again. Thanks yeah, for having me. It's great to have you. <laughs> um, so, Marion, how, you know, you've done a lot in the time. First, let's go back a couple of years and tell me a little bit about your startup. Mm. Yeah, so basically our vision is to humanize the supply chain, um, starting by reaching every factory worker and ensuring they're in a safe environment. So we basically have an app for factory workers that allows them to track their well-being in real time. And then we track all of the risks for um, big global retailers and make sure that all their factories are ethical. Um, but, you know, starting out, I was just a regular consumer on the high street in London myself about eight years ago when a factory collapsed in Bangladesh, um, which really started my fascination to find out more about the whole supply chain and where our products really come from. Um, and I actually spent time in China working on the line, making trousers uh, with the factory workers to understand their point of view and how we could help them. So now, almost like two years on since you started, how is it looking now? What what yeah. has happened in this time? Yes, exciting. We're now working with some big global brands um, such as Decathlon, who recently joined us, and then we've expanded into India and Vietnam. Uh, we were already in China as well in factories there. So it's a really exciting time, and the team has really grown around this, which has been you know the main reason to how this has happened. So, I mean, like... You are actually in these. Uh, is this app being used now in a number of factories in these yeah. places? It is. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we've got workers on the ground in China, India and Vietnam actually using our platform, which is amazing to see. Um, and especially during uh, the challenging time of COVID, mm. uh, we actually launched in India. In particular, we were able to help there, recognizing some of the kind of uh, symptoms, both mentally and physically, for workers uh, during this time on the factory floor. So, I mean, has that effect, obviously the pandemic must have had a major effect on people actually working in factories. Did that, did that, how did that work? Yes, good question. I mean, for us, it's definitely actually grown the demand because, as you know, in all workplaces around the world, there's been an extra toll on not only physical health, but also mental health because of the pandemic. So especially in the factories where you're in a very kind of close environment and there's up to thousands of people in one, one location, it's really, you know, sensitive and critical to be monitoring all of these kind of factors. Um, so, yeah, it has been, uh, you know, something we've really focused on in the platform and helping the workers to really share their concerns. In some cases, we've had workers who have had even colleagues passing away or contracting the virus and it's been very scary for them to be in that environment mm -hmm. so we've been able to ensure productivity is kept high and that the workers are you know satisfied in their workplace what does this mean for the companies who actually take the app or, or people who start using the app in these factories i mean is there a is there major cost involved how does it work yeah, so the pricing is very scalable. It's just pay per worker per month for the factories. Um, and then brands will also pay to access the reporting. So it's a very scalable model built uh, with our mission to reach 10 million factory workers globally. So the aim is to really make it scalable and something that can reach workers in you know very rural places as well as in the bigger cities. Mm, and, and things like access to mobile phones and stuff is that these mm. days it's not a major issue. Is it? Is it something that you would provide if you've got the app? 
Uh, it definitely is outside of China more of an issue. So technically, it's actually a web app which can work also within a browser on a PC or a laptop or a tablet. So in India, we were at a factory where 90% of workers didn't even have a smartphone. Yeah. So yeah. we set up a whole room with tablets available, wow. so the workers go in and log in, and in some cases just get trained on how to even you know log in and use the application as well. And have you um, you know the interesting thing is is obviously you've got a lot of data there that's mm. being collected, right? Have you been able to kind of detect things and think, you know, you've just saved a major catastrophe or anything like that, or even mm. just a, a slight catastrophe, to tell you the truth, because there's a lot of people involved in these factories. Yeah, to be honest, there's so many incredible stories coming out of the data that we're connecting, and that's what it's really all about, like revealing these human stories behind the supply chain and who's really making our products. So, yeah, there have been some amazing stories of impacts that we've we've had through the platform. Uh, for example, I was telling somebody yesterday about a worker in India who shared that they weren't able to cover the house costs for their family member during COVID, and a factory manager heard about this and actually gave them an extra pay rise just to help to cover these additional healthcare costs during the pandemic. Um, and then there's kind of other stories as well of how we've helped kind of across the whole supply chain to predict perhaps where factories are less stable because of the pandemic and brands are able to shift their orders. And I think we've all been affected by the impact of COVID on supply chains and we will continue to be actually because even, you know, some of the emerging countries in Asia where supply chains are shifting towards, they're very impacted as well, uh, such as Vietnam right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's all been going very well and obviously you're also involved in this competition now. Tell me mm. about this competition. It's the She Loves Tech Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this because it's part of a global competition, the largest competition for women uh, founders in technology globally. So uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have won the Hong Kong round, which wow. was a really tough heat. There were so many incredible women here in Hong Kong starting businesses. So it was great to actually meet everyone and pitch. And then we had the semi-finals and luckily we got through there. So there were 25. So what did you have to do in order to get through? What was the criteria here? Uh, you've got to basically do a three-minute pitch. Okay. So you've got to cover the whole business model, why you do it, what you about do. About your business, about yeah. what you're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the business model, how it works, how you make money, all within three minutes. So you have to kind of practice a bit to get it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a judging panel and they'll ask a few questions as well. So... Yeah, um, semi-final, and then now we've got the global final this Saturday, uh-huh. uh, which anyone can tune in to watch online, by the way. Ooh. So, yeah, there's going to be 12 of us from around the world competing now. These so. are all the finalists, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. So from 25 countries, they've whittled it down to 12. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited. So so now what happens um, if you... Uh, are they going to pick one winner out of this? Um, what's mm. going to happen? And what happens to the winner? What do they get? Yeah, there's going to be one global winner, uh-huh. and they get a cash prize and then for the some of the runners up there's also some cash prizes and also there's the opportunity for investment so you know one of the amazing platforms that this whole competition gives you is the ability to reach new investors oh, that sounds fabulous mm. so are you nervous how are you feeling <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually really excited because a big benefit for me actually throughout the program has actually been meeting other entrepreneurial women from all over the world, like women who have been through so many you know, challenges as well as successes to get to where they are today. And I think, 
you know, it's talked about a lot, like what is it like to be a female founder? Mm. But I think really for, for people in different geographies, like we don't realize how blessed we are to have the opportunities that we do and just how hard it is for some women to really get make their way up and actually start a business is already a massive success. So I've been inspired by meeting the other women who are actually in the program as well. Mm. Obviously, as you said, that we're, you know, you're lucky and fortunate to be where you are to be able to actually get on that, mm. on that. But there's a lot of struggles for others. I mean, what kind of challenges generally have you have you faced? Mm. Have you faced any challenges as a woman in tech? I mean, are there enough women in tech? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a good question. I mean, yeah, there's definitely so many challenges by being an entrepreneur anyway. And I think there are a few extra challenges by being a woman as well sometimes. Although I would say it depends on the culture. Um, and I guess also the industry. I mean, I'm working in manufacturing, which is quite a male-dominated industry, but then again, like 80% of people working in the supply chain uh, for fashion industry are actually female. So we end up impacting a lot of women and a lot of the challenges we cover are kind of female-based, uh, you know, gender-based harassment, things like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, back to me and my challenges, I guess. Um, yeah, definitely pitching for fundraising. I think there are some gender stereotypes as well, which make it harder, especially approaching like venture capital funding. I think there's just more support perhaps and role models needed for women on, you know, how to pitch uh, for funding and, and also to, to support the investors on the other side of the table about how to respond to women, I think, because it's just not as common to see women kind mm. of pitching for these large amounts of investment. Is there enough, enough support available to you? Uh, I think the She Loves competition, She Loves Tech competition is, is great in giving us support for that. Um, but I definitely did struggle kind of starting out by myself to find the right people and reach out to the right mentors. I definitely say getting mentors is critical. People who have perhaps been through the process themselves and can educate you about it. Otherwise, honestly, yeah, it's just making a lot of mistakes along the way and getting there. Mm, well, it sounds amazing. I mean, what you've done in just this short time, and it's, oh, thank you. it's a lot of hard work. I mean, this is, when you have your own startup, this is not nine to five, is it? So what kind of hours are you doing? Mm. Is it incredibly busy every day? It's a good question. Actually, when I started the business, for sure, I was working like round the clock, and it was really silly, and I used to burn out all the time. Uh, but now I actually do have a quite a good routine. It all starts in the early morning for me. So I'm personally a morning person, so I love getting up early, and I have like at least one to two hours to myself to just like really think and reflect and have that quiet time and that kind of sets me off for the whole day um, engaging with the team and then clients and pitching but I do generally switch off by around 6 p.m. Okay, which that's is good. quite different. That's disciplined. But, but I do want to de demonstrate that what we're trying to do in our company is because we're going out to factories saying you need good mental health and good environments in your workplaces, you know, we got to demonstrate it as well. So I really do take it seriously about like demonstrating the team, you know, I'm not expecting you to be taking calls later at yeah. night. Or emails coming at three o'clock in the morning yeah, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm really not into that. <laughs> I really don't think it's productive for anyone either, no, you know. So no. I'd rather that our whole team feels that we're genuinely trying to set a healthy standard for how to work. Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay, so if I was going to ask you, really, just as a final question, um, if you were going to give tips to anyone who is, think uh, uh, as a woman, for instance, if I am thinking of um, getting a startup and, and I've got a business idea, what's the best thing to do? I mean, how? what advice would you give with hindsight of what you have gone through? Mm, such a good question. I mean, something that my team uh, today were kind of reflecting on is the fact that I always emphasize, and I think through the mistakes I've made, that uh, you've got to focus on your user first, like whatever you're doing. Like I think as an entrepreneur, you're always battling distractions. So many people are kind of asking, you know, different opportunities here and there, and you know, let's do this, let's do that. And 
especially if you're doing a business which is in an emerging market like us there's so many opportunities but number one thing for me is focus like you've really got to stay disciplined on saying no a lot more than you say yes mm. to the opportunities that come up and and also just focusing on what your users are really saying that they need not what potentially what you think they need yeah, yeah yeah not assuming that you know what their need yeah. is or not assuming that also even investors and sometimes mentors who do mean well also do question the feedback and really go back to the user to validate it first otherwise you waste a whole lot of time building something that essentially nobody wants mm. good so some some solid tips there now i just <laughs> I, I did say that was a final question but let me just ask you one last thing now you've got mm. this presentation on saturday yeah and it's just three minutes yeah, yeah yeah so when you put a presentation like that together what are the main things that you are going to include in that what do you think of the you know if you're giving mm. presentation skills advice to somebody mm. what would you say are the key things that you need to remember when you get up there when you've only got three minutes it's mm, a good question I'd, I'd say the main thing is just start with why like I think it's a it's you know a very famous concept now that people don't buy what you do but why you do it and I think the number one thing that you want people to take away from a pitch is why are you doing what you're doing so I always go in at the very beginning with my story why I'm doing this why I'm here today and I think that really grabs people's attention and that's the most important thing to get across great Marian mm -hmm. I wish you luck Thank um you. I you know I'll be thinking about so if somebody wants to tune into that what where do we go what do we do Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, you can uh, basically search for She Loves Tech online or you can look up our company as well, No Global, KNO Global, um, and you'll find a link there as well to sign up and watch for free. Good and good luck. And Thank I, you. you know, do tell me what happens so I can update everyone. Mm, Thank you very do. much. All right. <laughs> good luck. Said I needed something.